Hey guys, this is Mike Mahaffey, the old bastard BJJ guy, here for BJJ Mental Models. Back in my day, we had to walk uphill in the snow both ways to get to the academy just to learn some crappy technique from a random purple belt. You kids have it so easy, because now you can just subscribe to BJJ Mental Models Premium and get tons of great audio courses to learn new techniques, enhance your mindset, and entertain yourself. You can even get personalized rolling reviews from some of your favorite BJJ Mental Models coaches, including me. It's like having your own seminar, you spoiled little whippersnappers. So what are you waiting for? Subscribe to BJJ Mental Models Premium right now, get off my lawn, and go train. Hey, welcome to BJJ Mental Models, episode 50. I'm Steve Kwan. I'm Matt Kwan. And coming to you live, our very special guest... For the 50th episode, Mr. Robert Bernanke. From the internet, the world famous, or at least the Vancouver famous Rob Bernanke. The somewhat YouTube jiu-jitsu community famous. The YouTube sensation, Rob Bernanke. Yeah. 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 Creator of uh, Island Top Team, BJJConcepts.net, the BJJ formula, and Modern Leg Lock formula. And And innovator of Canadian taint grappling. (laughs) That's right. The Turks have that one where they oil up and grab each other around down the pants. You have the taint. Yeah, yeah. It's your magnum opus. You will. It's going to be on your tombstone. The innovator of Canadian taint grappling. And I should say the newly. the new instructional you have the submission formula submission formula yeah. yeah yeah and also probably most relevant to this podcast that's professor yeah that's right it's what i'm going to be most famous for that when when all the chips yeah, are counted yeah, at yeah, the end yeah, of the yeah. day yeah exactly yeah. so rob for those who don't know you why don't you tell us a bit about yourself uh well uh, how far back do you want me to go birth birth uh <laughs> i was born in parts unknown about <laughs> 77 years ago like a professional wrestler you're <laughs> yeah, coming yeah. from parts unknown yeah. uh i like i suppose my only relevant uh, history is that jujitsu wise i spent a lot of time training mma and nogi and didn't pick up the gi till very late in my jujitsu career which forced me to try to come up with a more efficient way mm-hmm. to uh to learn jujitsu like to so that, that's where the systems come from that's where the concepts come from that's where all the alignment stuff base posture structure frames and levers etc cetera, etc cetera. Uh, that comes from my desire to be able to fairly quickly rank up in the gi and the idea of randomly learning and memorizing all of the techniques in the gi because there are so many more of them like as a nogi guy moving to the gi trying to learn every individual gi technique oh man it's an unwinnable battle, I'm totally right? unwinnable and so uh trying to translate what was existing about my grappling systematizing that uh and then creating systems for other people to learn in a similarly efficient uh manner is how i came about creating some of this stuff with a huge dollop of influence from obviously guys like ryan hall uh, and you know anybody else who pushes conceptual jujitsu, but I would say that Ryan Hall more than anything is the sort of the uh, the giant whose shoulders I stand on in uh, in my jujitsu. So Got would you, would you say that uh, until you because you trained with Ryan Hall for like a week, right? A couple you, weeks. You yeah. visited him, yeah. right, and trained with him. So would you say that after that experience, that was kind of the catalyst that from then on you looked at grappling from a conceptual approach? Um, I would say approach? earlier than that. Uh, I mean, I I was exposed to I think like most people to Ryan material through like YouTube and through his instructionals. So even like I made it a mission, like basically the first time that I saw Ryan Hall teach or speak about jujitsu, uh, 
it was like it was like a light bulb going off. It was very much like this is the first person who's speaking about jujitsu in the way that I would like to think about jujitsu. Uh, and as soon as I saw that, I was like, I am going to train with that guy at some point. So got very it. Cool. Makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. So uh, the thing that you're probably most known for, for the people out there who are listening, uh, you're known for all of the awesome apps and instructionals that you've made, particularly the ones in conjunction with Stefan Kesting. Yep. And you're also known for the BJJ Concepts Online Academy. Yeah. So why don't you talk a little bit about that for those who aren't familiar with those? Uh, yeah. Uh, which one do you want me to start with? Whatever makes sense. <laughs> well, let's start at the start. Uh, so I, I've been working with Stefan Kesting for, it was about four years now? Yeah, I'd yeah, say so. I think mm-hmm. 2015 was when we would have filmed the BJJ formula, which that was kind of like my, the, the thing that really, like, if you've heard of me, it's because of that. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, there might have been a few people that heard him uh, or saw me on YouTube. There might have been a few people in, like, the, the Vancouver jiu-jitsu community that might have seen me at tournaments screaming at people, going blue in the face. <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> not necessarily things yeah, you, you <laughs> want to be famous for. Uh, whereas my probably biggest introduction to the overall, like, internet jiu-jitsu community would have been uh, the, like, the podcast that I did with Stefan to introduce me and then the instructional, the BJJ formula, which outlined aligned my kind of approach to jujitsu the the whole idea of alignment of base posture structure frames and levers having a set of core concepts that is the like the underlying template for jujitsu and then elaborating on that with the bottom game top game and uh, back control stuff that we included in the bjj formula so that that's kind of how everything started and then uh the and and, and really just like in terms of how uh, like I guess my presence in the jujitsu community, that is very much how, if I had to choose, I would want to be known for that. It's like, I'm the guy who teaches a bunch of concepts, tries to be really, really detailed with the actual techniques themselves. Like the, aside from using Ryan Hall as a, as a template for building uh conceptual jujitsu, I try to train with the best guys out there at, at any given uh, aspect of the game. Uh, and so like the one half of it is, the concept stuff. The other half of it is trying to bring the highest level of of detail uh, and technique to to whatever I bring, uh, and I think that's kind of what the BJJ formula introduced to the community. Yeah, definitely. I and mean, you, I, and you plagiarize that from Danaher, right? No, no, it's the the leg lock <laughs> stuff that I plagiarized <laughs> from Danaher. <laughs> yeah, man, get it straight. Uh, so yeah, for for me, when you put out the BJJ core formula DVD, that yeah. was really my first exposure to your alignment framework. And mm-hmm. when Matt and I started this podcast, I mean, the whole concept of this podcast is to talk about systems thinking for jujitsu and mental models for jujitsu. There's way too much content out there that is very step-by-step instructional. Mm -hmm. Um, The thing that really resonated with me about your instructionals is that whereas most people are talking about the what or the maybe the how, you're talking about the why. And I think that that is so instrumental for anyone who wants to really, really accelerate their learning. I mean, I'm I'm not saying that you're not ever going to get good at jujitsu if you just try to throw a thousand techniques into your brain, but you're going to get a lot better at it a lot faster if you have a systematized approach to learning. And for myself, that's super important because as a casual guy, my time on the mats is quite limited. I mean, I can't put in eight hours a day training like someone who does this for a living. So I've got to maximize every minute I have on the mats if I want to get good. Um, the first episode that we did was about alignment because yep. we felt that out of all of the things that we could talk about in terms of jujitsu mental models, alignment was probably the best place to start from square one. I mean, yep. if someone rolls into my academy, the first thing I'm going to explain to them before I talk about even what the guard is, I'm going to say, 
you need to understand what this alignment thing is because everything that we're going to talk about for the rest of your life is going to hang off of that framework. So it's a very, very critical thing to know from step one. Now, yeah. in terms of our episodes, the to this day, episode one that we did on alignment is by far the episode with the greatest listenership we have. Uh, I mean, it's like three or four times higher than any other episode we've ever done. And that's yeah. unfortunate. You're welcome. Yeah, I, thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> that is unfortunate, though, because at the time, Matt and I had no idea what we were doing with podcasting. We were like, I still like, don't know. You do everything. Yeah, really. It was basically like it in terms of like quality. It was like a Skype call. I mean, a lot yeah. of people tell us it was a great episode, but I feel like we could have done a lot better. And now that we kind of have a routine and a rhythm to this podcast, yeah. and now that we've got you here, we thought for all of the people who haven't been listening since day one, for all of the new listeners, yeah. it would be awesome to maybe reapproach this concept and explain alignment with someone who actually knows what the hell they're talking about. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but before we do that, can I just touch on a point that you made sure. earlier on about uh, what you mentioned is like as a as a hobbyist, your time is so finite on the mats that you want to be as efficient with your learning. And that's something that I really want to uh, like just touch on because one of the, um, and I don't want to call it, because it's not a legitimate criticism, but anytime somebody wants to criticize like high level people in jujitsu, one of the criticisms is, oh, well, that's because you're like a full-time grappler. You're a competitor. You're an mm -hmm. elite this, you're an elite that. So, you know, you can't have the same uh, standards as someone who's just a hobbyist who comes in once in a while. And like, I don't want to get into that because like, I find that people who make that argument are being disingenuous about it. But what I like the point that I kind of want to address is that it's even more important for somebody who is a hobbyist mm -hmm. to find good instruction and good methodology, because if you're doing something for fun, things are more fun when you're good at them. Yeah. Right. Like if, if <laughs> there's if, joy if that, and mastery, like, like there's, there's, there's this excuse that people want to give for like shitty jujitsu instruction where it's like, mm -hmm. well, so what? He's just teaching hobbyists. Like, yeah. Oh, okay. So, so it's okay to give people who are making this like their fun thing that they mm -hmm. want to do and, and have them be shitty at it. Mm -hmm. And and that's okay somehow. So I don't agree with that because I think if you're a competitor, if you're going to make your life jujitsu and you're going to be full time, you're going to get good kind of no matter what. Yeah. Right. Like I've seen some awful garbage schools actually produce decent guys who they just trained all the yep. damn time. Just by ramming just your head by into the ramming wall. Their head you, exactly. Yeah. Eventually, if you super come and then eventually that guy will go to a more legit school. And then eventually if his ambition is high enough, that guy or, or that girl, they'll go to Atos or they'll go to Kayos or they'll go to Dan or whatever. Yep. Like you will eventually find like almost regardless of the level of instruction you mm -hmm. start with you'll find your way. If you're just the person who trains once in a while and you get bunk instruction, you can be 10 years into jujitsu and you'll get that black belt wrapped around your waist and you'll be a glorified blue belt. Yeah. And I think that's a real shame because the methodology is out there, whether like, even if you don't have access to it at your school, if you just go out there and find some of this kind of like conceptual instruction that allows you to understand jujitsu better and also allows you a template for judging quality. One of the mm -hmm. biggest things we talk about aside from the concepts is this idea of false positives and holding yourself to a higher standard and recognizing what actually really works at high levels and just training yourself to that. And regardless of where you end up on the scale of like global skill and grappling, you'll just be a happier person because you're not being 
sold horseshit. Yeah. <laughs> now, very few people are happy to be sold horseshit. So much so that they'll lie to themselves about it to like reduce the cognitive dissonance. Yes. When exactly. they discover that they've been receiving horseshit. Well, I think that's actually a reason why a lot of people will say like, I'm a hobbyist. And they say that almost as an excuse. Yeah. Right? It's a self-deprecating thing. Yeah. They're using it as a defense mechanism to justify why they're not getting as good as they want to be. Yes. And I mean, yeah, to some extent, if someone trains literally 10 times more than you, they'll probably get better. But of course, if you minimize your time on the mat, that doesn't mean you have to be bad. It just means that you have to really pick your shots and make them count. Absolutely. I mean, the example that I give is like in the workplace, if someone is bragging about how hard they work, like I worked a hundred hours this week and I got the job done. It's like, well, I don't know why you're bragging about this because <laughs> if the other dude did the same job in 10 hours, like yeah. why am I supposed to be impressed that you overextended yourself and achieved basically nothing out of it? You should always be more impressed with the people who can do more with less. That's efficiency. And yes. that's ultimately what that's jiu is about. Yeah. 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 You know, Danaher has an instructional series called Go Further Faster. Coincidence? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, he's like, he's selling some of the same stuff that I'm selling in yeah. that sense that, that anyone who's selling, you know, that Ryan Hall is selling, that anyone is selling, which is that you don't have to bang your head against the wall. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we can get into whether or not like the runtime of somebody's instructionals are padded and the, the cost is justified and all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. But really... Anybody who's never been exposed to conceptual or systematized instruction will absolutely go further faster with just understanding why the hell you're doing some of the yep. stuff that you're doing. Yeah, I've yeah. seen I've seen uh, countless people come into my school and then just as I explain them the the concepts and the stuff that you talk about, like I always start with posture structure based. That's yeah. kind of the number one thing because it's just such such a good foundation. Because otherwise, where do you start, right? Like if you you're gonna say, okay, here's an arm bar, then you're like, okay, yeah. where would I do that? When would I do that? Why are we in missionary position? Yeah. And like, <laughs> yeah. what are what what is this? But if I just tell you like this is how your body is built, this is what makes you vulnerable, this is how you prevent vulnerability. It's such a good place to start. So like. I don't know about you. I mean, I'm sure you, you've seen hundreds of people just have this moment, but like where the light bulbs go off in their head and they're like, oh, okay, this is way simpler than just memorizing moves. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, so the, the thing about that that's interesting is the biggest light bulb moments that I see are actually from really experienced people. Somebody who comes Definitely. in from day one. Someone who's got a game and they ha they're good and yeah. then you add this to And then the, you to add this because for one, it automatically, once they start like internalizing it, it automatically makes everything you do better. Whatever moves yeah. you know how to do, it just makes it better. Yeah, it's a and force multiplier, right? Totally, yeah. more simple. Simple, yeah. And and for the people that are new, it's like it's like an inoculation against bad jujitsu. Once you understand alignment, it's going to be really hard for you to go on Instagram or YouTube and see something that's just nonsense. <laughs> yes, it's true. It's, like, yeah. it, it's a filter. It's a filter, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, And it's a legitimate filter. It's not like the, the Helio filter, which is whoa, like whoa, made hey, up hey. marketing nonsense. Uh, how, come on. Hey, hey, hey. Now, I'll have you know, it has been like at, least five, episodes, Helio. at least five episodes since we've made fun of Helio. Oh, okay. So yeah. You're going to have to tone down there, sir. <laughs> he would have been a purple belt world champion come on <laughs> uh but yeah like it inoculates people against like just the kind of nonsense that people try to put yeah. out there as being like oh here's a move you could do and then you know if you call someone on it like well you know anything could happen like yeah but we're talking about percentages yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. anything exactly could, yeah yeah i mean there's some there's some moves that hey like they might not be technically sound, but if you're against inferior competition and you're strong enough, you can maybe make them work. And totally. alignment is a really good signal to noise filter there that yes. allows you to immediately identify to what extent a technique is fundamentally sound. And yeah. I, you know, the thing that I think is just completely overwhelming for a lot of people who start jujitsu is there is just 
so much information out there and every technique has infinite variations. So it's very hard as a new person to really assess and evaluate what is going to work yeah. in, uh, you know, against quality opposition. Because it all and looks like magic if you don't know like what, magic. Yeah. What, what alignment yeah. is. Yeah. And so much of jujitsu is not seeing it, but it, it's feeling it, right? Yep. It's feeling having it done to you and doing it to someone else. And if you don't understand why you're doing it, then it's it's a lot harder to just look at like someone doing an armbar and know what's good and what's bad about it. Um, so back to your point though, about just the sheer number of techniques out there. Mm-hmm. You know, we've talked about this in the past, Matt, where you know, the example I give as to why alignment is important or systems thinking is important is I just ask, like, think back to when you were in high school. How much of that do you really remember? Because I'm sure everyone crammed like crazy for yeah. tests and you tried to th- just stuff a million facts into your head and then regurgitate them onto the exam. And how much of that did you really retain? Um, you know, just memorization by volume is has never been an effective learning approach. That That is basically just known, right? You're far better off starting off with understanding why things happened. And then mm. from there, you know, human beings are storytellers. If you know the story of why something is important, all of the details come together a lot easier. I've also found too that if you understand why things are happening, it gives you more freedom to be creative because you can, that's where jujitsu really becomes a form of self-expression. If you understand the fundamentals at an ingrained level and why these movements matter, you can freestyle it. You can make stuff up on the fly that is fundamentally sound. And that kind of on the spot creativity is so important to get someone who's really good. Absolutely. You're you're always going to be fighting people who are new and you don't know what they're going to do. And so sometimes you're going to see situations that have never come up before and your ability to understand fundamental movements is what is what's going to get you through yeah i I think one of the fundamental problems that we have in in jujitsu and this isn't just in jujitsu i think this is a like a a society-wide thing is that people really misunderstand creativity yes they tend to think that creativity just for one it's that it's innate that it can't be developed Mm -hmm. or someone's just creative uh and the the association is that people who are creative tend to be you know wacky and free thinking and and all that kind of stuff uh when really if you see like truly creative people people who create great art people who create great anything there's a tremendous amount of learning and fundamental understanding that goes into that and they yeah yeah that's the thing that a lot of people i think misunderstand they don't it's not just a matter of being creative and having these bursts of insight i mean creativity is a process and those that those moments of greatness come from a system that people build and process over time exactly yeah and so like i think it's a disservice again people who are trying to like let's say undermine this type of uh, approach because Let's be honest, the the state of instruction, you know, you talked about, you know, learning in high school, like the level of pedagogy in high school is pretty low. There's, yes. There's, yeah. there's not a high standard of learning in high school. Uh, you know, we could get into why on a different podcast, but uh, it's, it's the same thing in jujitsu. Like the level of pedagogy from school to school is abysmally low. Mm-hmm. And so because we're trying to put out something that's A, better, B, different, there's going to be some pushback and the pushback that you get one of the sort of like false narratives or false arguments against learning this kind of concept or system is that it undermines creativity because you're like, well, you've got to follow the system. Well, you've got to follow this. Got to... No, what we're giving you is a basic framework. And on top of that framework, you can build your own creativity. Like I use my school as an example, and you guys will know this from having trained with my black belts, Cal and Rory. Do they roll anything like each other? Like other than certain fundamental movement things, alignment things in terms of style, they couldn't be more different. Other than Cal's good and Rory sucks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Besides yeah, that, yeah, I know. Uh, 
<laughs> Rory, the only thing I know, I've never actually sparred with Rory, but I imagine it must be like sparring with a brontosaurus. Because <laughs> he's Basically. like seven feet tall. He's lanky as hell. And I mean, yeah, maybe a pterodactyl would be a, a, a better, uh, just because of that really long head. He looks uh, like Macaulay Culkin grew two feet from Home Alone and got AIDS. So. <laughs> I was going to say he looks like Macaulay Culkin had a child with a guppy fish. <laughs> All right, so uh, uh, back on track. Back on track. Um, I can't wait until one day Rory comes on this podcast. Yeah, just craps all over us. Anyway, well, back well on the track. Um, yeah, the the idea is that you know there no two grapplers, like higher level grapplers that come out of my academy, are all that alike in terms of what they gravitate towards. But what they do have is certain traits in common. They're very difficult to sweep. They they've got excellent defense in certain things. They're very good at responding on the fly to things they haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. So it's difficult to like put them in a scenario that oh whoa man I've never seen that sweep. Therefore I'm gonna fall over. Yeah, right. And, and that's the biggest. And that's problem. creativity. Like people yeah. don't realize that 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 is creativity. That is them being put in scenarios over and over again that force them to access the creative part of their brain. Yeah. And develop a solution on the fly based on the concepts that they've learned. So I think that really understanding to be truly creative in any endeavor, you have to really understand it. It's Mm -hmm. like nobody tries to pull this in physics. No one's like, hey, you don't really know anything about, you know, quantum. You don't know the standard model. You don't know any of this. Just free ball, man. You'll come up with something great, right? Like that's garbage, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. But you know, in, in other fields where we, we do have people who frankly don't want to earn their way to the top. They just want to pretend that creative, like creativity is a, is a side door. It's like, mm-hmm. I don't have to actually be good. I'll just be creative. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, so like I, I think it's really important to understand that what we're giving people are, are the tools to actually access whatever creativity they might potentially have in a much better way than they would otherwise. Yeah. What, one of my favorite quotes on the matter, I think it was from Quincy Jones, is he said, you've got to have a solid foundation and a flexible perimeter. And I, that's kind of how I interpret this. Very good way of putting it. Like your fundamentals and your innate understanding of, of the mechanics needs to be rock solid. And that should be basically the same for everyone. And everything above and beyond that is a matter of self-expression, right? Yeah. It, it doesn't feel that way when you're like a one month white belt, but eventually once you start to really understand things, you realize how unimportant it actually is to memorize techniques step by step. And I think that, you know, my criticism of most instructors out there, and I I would guess that like well over 90% of instructors teach this way is they have technique of the week. You know, you come in and there's a move that you do and you bang out a few reps against an unresisting opponent and then Mm -hmm. you move on to something else and the students are never able to successfully pull those techniques off in a live role. Whereas um, if you actually come up things from the top down and rather than telling people to memorize steps, you explain the ideas that gives people the creativity and the ability on the fly to adapt their strategy to a resisting opponent, which is so crucial because you can never truly know exactly how your opponent is going to resist in the moment. Yeah. So- well, and, and not only that. So one of the big things that I try to convey to new students is uh, like appropriate goals, because the the thing that most people come into jujitsu with is this like this fantasy notion that within and like depending on the person, it might be a few weeks, might be a few months, they're going to be submitting people left and right. Like people walk into a jiu-jitsu club, it's usually one of the first techniques they learn is an arm bar from the guard or yeah. a triangle, like a submission. Yeah. And so what I try to convey to people is like, honestly, you need to forget about submissions. Like a submission is the like the jiu-jitsu equivalent of like maybe a guitar solo. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, I just picked up a guitar. Let me try to do a solo. Like, 
no, yeah. no, God, no. Yeah. Like It's you, the period at the end of the sentence, right? Yeah, like it, yeah. What you need to do is understand how to control your own body. And that's why we start with alignment. Alignment mm-hmm. teaches you what your body needs to be doing at all times in any physical endeavor, not just jujitsu, to be effective and safe mm-hmm. and efficient. And so if you start with alignment with your body, learn to control your body, and then learn to control someone else's body, then after you can do those two things, then you can start worrying about submissions because one, you'll be doing them properly and two, you'll be doing them safely. And those are kind of, you know, uh, inherently intertwined. But what that does is it creates a, uh, a scenario where somebody leaves class every day having actually had like small victories, right? Mm-hmm. So if you come in wanting to get a submission on someone and you spend the first three months of class never ever submitting someone, you're going to feel like a failure every single time you leave class. Mm-hmm. And that takes away the fun. Whereas if you come in, you're like, oh man, I recognize that someone grabbed my head and that broke my posture. So I grabbed their arm, which is the end of a lever, pulled it off of my head and fixed my posture, yeah. which fixed my alignment. So, and I mean, you, anybody can do that. Not anybody can come in and submit someone within their first few weeks of training, unless they're just, you know, like a super athlete, way bigger than everyone, et cetera, et cetera. There are exceptions, but for the most part, most people can't do it. So by giving you this alignment uh, concept, we allow and, and understanding the idea of small or intermediate and long range goals, mm-hmm. you can leave every class feeling like I'm getting it. I'm getting it a little bit more, even though you're still objectively getting crushed in yeah. all of your roles. Every time you come back, like, oh, yeah, I got that. I got that. I got that. So it's, it's important, not just from a like a long term perspective of understanding and improving your jujitsu. It's important from a short term perspective of enjoyment and sticking with jujitsu. That's, that's a really good point, Matt. We were talking about the other day that the, on the other day, which is like, how do you define success in jujitsu? And mm-hmm. at the more junior ranks, usually when you go onto the mat, you know, your quote unquote goal for the day might be like, I want to I want to submit people. And that's kind of how you determine your your performance when you're reflecting afterwards, but that's not really an effect or an effective way to determine how you performed. Really what is more important is, did I maintain my alignment? Was I yeah. able to create predictable scenarios, right? Like if you are getting a submission 20% of the time and losing position 80% of the time, <laughs> that is not a predictable scenario. Yeah. You know, my, what I want is when I well, go- Well, it's predictably bad. Yeah. 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 <laughs> what I want is when I go into class, I don't care if I get a submission or not, but I want to know that 95% of the time, the game goes the way that I want it to go and I can stay out of trouble. That is far more important than pulling out some crazy gi choke or something like that, right? Yeah. So maybe now this is a good time to transition into this. I mean, what exactly is this alignment framework that you've put together? How exactly is this defined and how does it apply to on the ground jujitsu? Yeah. Okay. So basically, if you look at the way that the universe is structured, there are a bunch of constellations out there. There's like 12 of them. They determine how you're going to act in life. No, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I, I was wondering it's, where the hell this was going for a second. Okay. Um, it's rare that I get a chance to shit on pseudoscience. Actually, no, it's not rare. I try to do it like, every opportunity in my life. So that's the astrology shot out of the way. Um, uh, yeah. So we've got uh, like there's a basic alignment to your body when it comes to generating force. Uh, we use the terms in jujitsu base posture and structure, and like people have heard these terms and they don't always have good definitions for them. So we refer to alignment, good alignment, as having proper base posture and structure. Any physical activity you perform, whether it's jujitsu or another sport, or you know, I'll give you a stupid an example is like moving a fridge. If you want to move a fridge and not like hurt your back, there's a way to position your body to do it. So you would not lift with your arms is what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. So when we break alignment down into base posture and structure, we're 
yeah, and like we, one of the things we do a lot is break things into threes. One, it's kind of a good mnemonic device. Mm-hmm. Uh, and two, if you don't like, kind of like sub-systematize certain things, you can get kind of in the weeds with definitions. Mm-hmm. So alignment is made up of base, posture, and structure. Base is the foundation of everything. It's a platform from which to apply and absorb force, specifically maximal force. So if you can't generate 100% of the force your body is capable of into your opponent, then you don't have optimal base. If you want to be really reductive, we can go into like base being you know, another like mathematical factor. So you could have 0.1 base and 0.2, like you could have real, really shitty base to okay base to really good base. But to really have proper base, you need to be able to generate maximum force and absorb your opponent's maximal force production. Like uh, being able to generate force is great, but if at any point I can't stop you from do like, I can't always reduce your alignment. I can't Mm -hmm. always count on the fact that I can take away your ability to generate maximal force. So I have to always be able to absorb the maximum force production that my opponent is capable of. So that's our base. And then it's important to note that base is relative to your opponent and it's relative to your goals Mm -hmm. because people tend to reduce base too much to like being wide and hard to sweep and difficult to move. And they've got all these kind of vague terms for it that are they are byproducts of good base, but they're not necessarily base. So if my base is relative to my opponent, uh, you know, I need to be able to generate force in their direction and receive force in the direction that they're giving. And it's relative to my goals. So, you know, if, if my goal is to, uh, I usually give the example is like if my goal is to disentangle from uh, a leg entanglement. It may actually serve me better to lay flat on my back mm-hmm. and push the foot off the hip than it would to get back up onto my feet. So being in base doesn't always mean being on your feet. It means being able to generate and absorb force. So even on the bottom, you can have base. base absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'm really glad that you're defining this because this is something that until you defined it, I realized that in my 12-year career, no one has ever defined base. I've just always been told, get base, get base, make sure you've got base. And I mean subconsciously i kind of interpreted that to mean like okay i've got my feet on the ground but yeah. that's not really what no it's means. not and that's uh, it's, it's interesting that you bring that up because what i used to do in seminars is uh, like before i presented the information i would pick the highest ranked guy in the room and it would be a brown belt or a black belt and i'd be like you know everyone knows what base is right and i got yeah, like okay you tell me what base is and they would <laughs> stammer and yeah. struggle and so i actually stopped doing it because it ended up being like i'm not trying to embarrass anyone right and so i don't want to put people except on the, for astrologists apparently. well yeah i, I want you. i want to embarrass people who believe stupid shit for no reason <laughs> in the face of overwhelming evidence to the contrary because people like that in society need to be embarrassed so the uh the the, the, the function of teaching something like that is not to embarrass someone mm-hmm. but you'd be surprised how few people had a good definition for base so that's our definition it doesn't have to be being on your feet it's the ability to generate and absorb yeah. force so so the idea is like the way that i like to think of base is like if you know when you're kind of like a sprinter you're loading you know before you get going you're loading up on your feet to generate a lot of force right away exactly that foot placement allows you to generate force in one direction and similarly too in jujitsu context you know if someone pushes or pulls you in any direction if that push or pull is going to result in you falling backwards or forwards that means you don't really have base like you should be a strong structure that can kind of, you know, that can manipulate and move your own body weight so that no individual burst of force from your opponent is going to knock you over. To me, that's kind of how I, I define base. Exactly. Yeah. So like good base has a, a mobility element and a stability element. And then again, depending on what your goal is at the time, you're going to 
kind of adjust which one of those is more important, right? Like if you're using the sprinter example, a sprinter isn't going to have somebody run up to him and shove him over from the side. Yeah, yeah. So they only need to worry about generating force uh, like in a linear fashion down the track. So uh, it, it simplifies base. And, and so base can be quite simple under certain circumstances. The more complicated, the more uh, like different variables there tend to be, the more we have yeah. to start looking at, okay, what do I need more? Do I need to be really stable right now? Okay, maybe it's better to spread out. Yeah. Do I need to be super mobile right now? Okay, well, maybe I don't need to be as spread out. I need to be able to move laterally more. I need to be able to twist, et cetera, et cetera. So we can get like, we can give you a really simple definition that kind of covers everything. And then we can get more into the weeds depending on uh, you know, the necessities of the scenario. Got it. Got yeah. it. Okay. That makes sense. Hey, where did you get, like, when did you develop your system and then had that like light bulb go off in your head and be like, okay, th I'm going to, I'm going to make the, the foundation of my system, these three concepts, posture, structure, base. Like I, I think well, that I can run with this and I can use this. This is it. So the, the base and posture and structure stuff does come from Ryan Hall, like that, the, that foundation and, uh, to a lesser degree, the idea of frames and levers also like just hearing him like, Hey, this is just the end of a lever. I'm like, Right. It is. No shit. Yeah. Like, so the, that, uh, the, the sort of, um, the seed of everything that we do at Island Top Team or BJJConcepts.net does come from Ryan Hall's material. What I've tried to do, and like, I, I've, I've gotten a lot of, really complimentary uh feedback on this where and it's i think it is really important to emphasize how much of anything that any of us are putting out there how much of it comes from other sources and how mm -hmm. much of it like i try to anytime i teach anything I'm like oh i got this from that guy or i got that from that guy and uh like not a lot of our mental models come from you <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. A lot of them. Yeah. yeah like and nothing, so, and so we discuss in the podcast is really original. It's all yeah. from other sources. So, like, I, I, I can't put a number on like what percentage of like the foundational stuff comes from Ryan Hall. Maybe it's 50%. Maybe it's 70%. Maybe it's 40%. Like, I obviously I've never sat down and like done the math, but that original kind of idea of like, this is this is the hallmark of it. Um, so I just like uh, Ryan Hall's terminology was base is a platform from which to apply force. That that's got kind it. of where I got it. So like I've added to it along the way, uh, like uh, little things here. And there. Okay, modifying it. So okay, it's, you also need to absorb force. Okay, now we also need to like subdefine it as to being relative to your goals. And so those are things that I added. But like that that whole seed of base posture structure and then the idea of frames and levers and using those things to affect base posture structure the the genesis of that just comes from ryan hall got yeah. it got it okay so uh we talked about base um but that's just one of these three principles yes. here what would posture be then i mean this is another thing where you're always told have good posture or but, posture up yeah or posture up but most people probably could not actually explain mechanically what that means yeah so posture is the integrity of your spinal column which is a different than saying keep your spine straight because that's what it usually gets reduced to people are like just keep your spine straight but sometimes you, your spine you're gonna be inverted yeah or... sometimes it needs to curve right and as long as it's it's a biomechanically sound and safe way of curving your spine that's totally okay right uh you know like i'm not qualified to get into like the engineering principles of like bridges and how you know curvature and parabolic arcs and stuff like that but like those are all still like sound um, structures in physics. So primarily, yes, you want your spine straight right? because that's the easiest way, uh, like relatively straight. Mm -hmm. um, that is the easiest way to maintain the integrity of your spinal column. So most people know not to let their head get bent 
or twisted. And that is an important part of posture. What usually most people are not as familiar with or they miss a little bit is the idea of your spine can be perfectly straight, but if it's twisted up. So if your hips and shoulders are pointed in opposite directions, Mm -hmm. that's really bad for your posture. Right, right. Right. I, I usually give the analogy of like if you're on a flat bench and you're trying to bench press where would you put your feet, your hips? Like, would you twist your hips to the side yeah, like a yoga yeah. pose and then try to do a max lift on the bench? Of course not. Like, it's funny be, you mentioned that because like, that's the exact example that Matt and I gave, which is like, if you were to try, if you try to bench press, if you just do something as simple as turn your head to the side, it yeah. can dramatically increase your chance of injury yes. and reduce your maximum lift, right? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, there's the same thing like when it comes to doing a squat. If you start curving your spine up, God help you. you you're you're going to hurt yourself really badly. So th- that's what posture is. It's the integrity of your spinal column. And again, it is relative to the situation. So like the spine is the, you know, probably unless you're like genetically quite abnormal, it's probably the longest lever in the body. Like me. Yeah. yeah well, some people have really torso. short torsos and long limbs and stuff like that. So uh, like Rory probably. Uh, his fucking head by itself is probably longer than his <laughs> spine um but we got to get him you've to seen a to lot this. of the top of it yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so um the uh <laughs> i'm trying to like decide between rolling with this and full-on yeah. going into the whole blowjob thing um <laughs> uh, i <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so the idea is that you want to maintain the integrity of your spinal column as an adjunct to your base, because if you compromise the integrity of your spine, then what you're left with is just using your like isolated muscle structures to try to achieve a goal. And the thing about that is there are some people who are diesel fucking strong Mm -hmm. and they can still do like there are guys that'll like key lock you. Despite having shitty alignment. And so, you know, there's a conversation about false positives that we can get into another time. But yeah, it's really important to understand that not just from the perspective of effective jujitsu in terms of like submitting someone, in terms of keeping yourself safe and not Mm. getting injured. One of the most common injuries I see, and, you know, despite best efforts to the contrary, really strong guys make this mistake all the time, which is they're getting arm barred. And then they rotate their torso super hard ah, yeah. to try to like yard their arm out. And because like, especially really muscular guys tend to be a lot, uh, like their, their muscles are not pliable, right? Like people who do a bunch of yoga, they're yeah, bendy. Yeah. People who just lift a lot of weights tend to be way stiff. And so yeah. when they twist super hard, they pop their ribs mm-hmm, or they yeah. pull a rib muscle. Like I'd say for big guys, that's one of the more common injuries is they just immediately break their posture to try to yard out of an arm bar. Yeah. And that's a really good example of like, if you just try to stay in alignment all the time, the odds that you ever get injured in jujitsu, unless dramatically you, down. Yeah, 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 like massive reduction in, in injury rate. And like, again, the, the, the more mat time you get, the better you're going to get. So all this kind of stuff about like not worrying about the end result of the submission happening or not happening. It's just stay in alignment and you'll be safe. Whether you get tapped or not is irrelevant. Yeah. Staying yeah. in alignment, I think, is really the best defense against submission and injury. Mm-hmm. Like Totally. And, you know, to your point about mat time, like one of the worst ways to re- to reduce your mat time is get injured. If you get yeah. injured, you're off the mats. But if you can stay safe, you're just going to get more mat time. And that's going to allow you to eventually lap some of the people who are constantly taking themselves out of the game by injuring them. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. Uh, and so, yeah, so that's where posture comes in. And especially if we're talking about injuries, uh, like spinal injuries, any injury of that nature is going to be extremely serious. So maintaining the integrity of your spinal column, much more so than like when we'll talk about structure in a minute, but like structure refers to our limbs. So like, yeah, if I get an elbow pop, 
that's not a big deal. If I get a like herniated disc in my neck, yeah. that's a huge deal. That's yeah. not something I can just like sit out for a couple of weeks and it'll be fine. That's a good point, which yeah. is that posture related injuries. That basically means like your spine and your neck. And basically these are the injuries from your, from your head to your hips, I guess. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. These are the injuries that you really, really don't want. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. So that makes a lot of sense. I mean, the way that I always kind of, the example I give for posture is, you know, when you take side control and you just you do the shoulder of justice yeah. and you just cross face the guy until his head has to turn away yeah that's a very very good example of a posture break and anyone who's been in that situation knows how hard it is to escape yes. when you cannot turn towards to f and face your opponent but the rest of your body is pointing in the other direction totally and when we get into submissions one of the most important things about like increasing your rate of finishing submissions is killing your opponent's posture as part of the submission so like in the submission formula that's something we emphasize quite a bit which is if you're if i'm trying to armbar you and the only emphasis i'm putting in is generating force into your elbow or controlling your arm that's great it's gonna work but if i take your posture away it's it's not just my ability to do the submission it's your ability to escape or negate yeah, the submission yeah, yeah. that's really compromised yeah I, I find that at the black belt level getting submissions against someone like an, you know it, it's incredibly hard unless their alignment is just shattered like yeah. we, matt and i were talking about this recently like it's not enough to just get an arm bar no. and pull the arm back and lock it on like you have to completely annihilate your opponent's alignment or you have if, if they're good you have no chance of getting their submission unless you do that yeah i i remember when i was a, a lower ranked practitioner when i would try and finish chokes i would just think that it was about like squeezing yeah. right you're like yeah. i'm gonna use my arms to squeeze but uh if only i had someone back then to tell me like no you actually want to like the squeeze is what would you say like maybe like 40 percent of how strong it is like maybe yeah. less it's more about how you can break your opponent's posture so that they yeah. literally they can't escape their head position and then it, it drives the choke way stronger mm -hmm. right yeah i mean there's a it's a, the, the, the squeeze and the squeeze should be a, an isometric squeeze like it's just you just hold it yeah. you don't keep increasing until you go blue in the face yeah like that's, exactly yeah I mean, unless it's the finals of something and you got to sell out or whatever. But like if we're trying to be efficient with our technique, uh, definitely it's just an isometric hold. And then the alignment breaks and your alignment being solid uh, and things mm -hmm. like maximizing the amount of like, PSI that you can generate into the choke, stuff like that, uh, which actually has very little to do with your squeezing power, like from a muscular perspective yeah. uh, and more with just how efficiently you can transmit force into their neck. Uh, yeah, it's but, interesting. It's often the little guys who are really deadly at chokes, right? And they don't necessarily have the most squeezing power. I mean chokes are probably my most successful family of submissions and i am hardly the strongest guy in the mat so. yeah exactly i mean that's uh, you know again I'm, I'm i'm not gonna name names here but there are people who emphasize like working on your squeeze as being the way to get good oh at i know yeah, you oh, see yeah. It. i mean it's and it's just not it's it's something right but it's yeah. not but know, it, just, it betrays a very low level of understanding yeah. of like the, the physics and biomechanics yeah there it. are yeah. there are more efficient ways to multiply yeah. your force for sure than just to try to just muscle your your way through a submission yeah. Cool. It's so, like Nicky Rod, if I can get under the eyebrows, he's going. To sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It works for him. <laughs> no, and, 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 and like none of these things, like, you know, when I kind of, I, I tend to use a little bit of hyperbole, especially when I teach inside my gym, because I take it for granted that if you're an adult, you have the ability to, to like think abstractly and have a bit of a sense of humor. So I occasionally use hyperbole and say, well, that's just garbage and it doesn't work. It doesn't mean that it literally doesn't work at all, right? Like, yeah. obviously, there, there's a there's a spectrum. You know, I mean, if I would know anything, it's about being on a spectrum. Uh, <laughs> it, it, like, there's a spectrum to how effective something can be. Mm -hmm. uh, and just because you occasionally get something to happen 
doesn't make it, you know, valid on one end yeah. of the spectrum and invalid on another end. So like, yes, you can develop your squeeze and you can develop obscure bullshit submissions that will work once in a while. Yeah. And I'm not saying that that is a 100% invalid approach. I'm saying that if you actually want to be good and efficient, it's not the best way to go about it. Yeah. We, yeah. Matt, we, you know, we've talked about this a lot where, you know, at, at at my level now, my focus is not on getting a submission. My focus is on probabilities. There yep. is no technique that is 100% foolproof successful. And there will be situations where crazy weird things happen. Like you might get caught in some bizarre pro wrestling submission or mm -hmm. a black belt might get tapped by a white belt. Like it can happen. Nothing in a fight is guaranteed. And so when we learn these submissions, the goal is like, we're never going to have things that are 100% successful. And if that's your expectation, you're going to be disappointed. But your goal in jujitsu should be to make things as reliable and predictable as possible. I, I don't necessarily want to submit someone every time. I want to make sure that I'm in control 99.99% of the time. I want to get that percentage up as high as I can. It's a game of probabilities. So you're right that there's a whole bunch of false positives out there. I mean, there will be a lot of examples of just really beefy, jacked up guys who are able to power their way through submissions. That that will work. Yep. But there are far more predictable ways of achieving your goals in jiu-jitsu than just trying to muscle through things. And I think that's the thing that people eventually need to learn when they really start thinking about things in terms of systems. Yeah, and I mean... I like in general as human beings the way what our brains are really kind of supposed to be for is creating a map through which we can interpret the world mm -hmm. and so what we're trying to give people with an alignment uh with the alignment concept is just give you a more accurate and reliable map for mm -hmm. interpreting the world so like and, and i mean this comes down to any number of you know activities where you can do the same thing so for jujitsu the next step in the map is structure yes <laughs> there's a segue for you wait <laughs> is it a map or a compass it would be a map what would the compass be that's a really good <laughs> Why question. Why do you say map? Uh, well, just like that's the easiest like way to describe it. I was trying to go all philosophical. Yeah. Rob well, because the more accurate a map, the better you can read it, whereas a compass could be fucked with by a magnet. Nice. The sound it sounded yeah. really intelligent, <laughs> nice. didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so structure. just blew everyone's mind. Okay, let's yeah. move on. Um, yeah, like the the strong pull of a uh, of an outside force could disrupt a compass, and that's definitely what happens to human beings and their brains. The strong pull of an of an outside force makes them think <laughs> stupid shit. Um, so yeah, structure. Um, structure is the efficient positioning of your limbs to achieve a goal. Mm -hmm. So structure is the element of alignment that changes the most because. Base is fairly simple. Most of the time it means plant your feet or plant something really strong on the ground. Posture is pretty simple. Most of the time it means keep your spine relatively straight. Structure changes based on the scenario dramatically. So mm -hmm. like if I want to frame someone to keep them off of me, I would stick my arm out bolt straight. If I wanted to defend an arm bar or avoid an arm bar, sticking my arm out bolt straight would be the last thing I want. So yeah. that's the only element of alignment that will change like completely depending yeah. on the scenario. So we say it's the efficient positioning of your limbs to achieve a goal. Uh, and so a, 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 like a heuristic that we use for structure is whenever possible, use bone instead of muscle. Mm -hmm. But if you have to use muscle, use all the muscle available. Yeah. Right. So in the armbar defense example, I don't just want to do a bicep curl and hope that's enough muscle to prevent you from extending yeah. my arm. You want to use overwhelming. I force. want to use. I yeah. want to use my other arm. All the I parts of the my chest. Like you I want, want to use, use my leg. I want to use everything I can possibly engage. And at the same time, if I can possibly just stick my arm straight out and just have you lean, or stick my leg straight out, or just use my shin alone 
alone and have you lean on it. And I'm using zero muscular, like as little muscular force as possible and be efficient while you try to like in vain, drive forward and pass my guard without any adjustments to your angle, then that would be really excellent structure. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. Cool. So, so there I mean, you go. Base posture structure, working together, create alignment. And our goal is to maintain our alignment while reducing or completely eliminating our opponent's alignment. Got it. Got it. So the interesting thing with alignment, I mean, we're talking about base posture and structure here together. This, this three-part thing is alignment. Yep. The interesting thing about alignment is like you can have those things even if you're on the bottom in a somewhat bad position. Like even when you're on bottom side control, you can have some degree of base posture and structure depending on the context, right? I mean, you might also be completely yeah, broken, but totally. it is possible that in your goal on the bottom is to keep as much of it as you can. Which is why I kind of object to the the shorthand that is often used for jiu-jitsu, which is it's position before submission. Mm -hmm. and whereas my belief is that it's alignment before everything. Yeah. Right. And I actually was fortunate recently to do an article with uh, Jiu-Jitsu Mag where I kind of gave this example of the, like alignment is the the priority because you can be in a bad position. When you look at uh guys who are excellent at escaping and evading yeah. once they're put in bad positions like again let's let's use the uh, like the Danaher guys and Gary Tunnan in particular uh as far as them being really tough to submit in overtime and EBI and things like that or just any scenario where you have a crack at submitting them i would argue the reason that they're able to do that is because of fundamentally incredible alignment mm -hmm. and the ability to change their alignment uh, as necessary to respond and obviously done through a tremendous amount of like drilling and practice and you know, like high level uh, training partners and coaching and all that kind of stuff but when you see somebody who's good at defending and escaping things they're demonstrating really good alignment so the fact that you know you can maybe get to the side control or the mount or whatever is not as important although it is highly important like if if your if your goal is just to win, let's say you know a, a points tournament, um, and I'm you know just hopefully not giving any mistaken impressions here, in that I'm pretty agnostic when it comes to like points versus sub only versus EBI. Like I think there isn't an ideal rule set, and I think all all of them have like serious flaws. If anything, I think sub only has more flaws mm -hmm. uh, for like re agree. for revealing good jujitsu. Uh, but unless we're talking about like sub only truly no time limit yeah go to yeah. the end that's a different story but like the the sort of uh, competitive sub only can anyway i'm going off on a tangent uh like reel me back in when i do that uh but what, what your if, if your goal is just to win and like okay i passed your guard i got to mount yeah you can do that but if your goal is to submit someone and you don't break their alignment like you said it's not just black belts it's athletic guys mm -hmm. get a guy who used to play rugby <laughs> and give him three months of jujitsu training yeah, yeah, and try yeah. and submit him. Mm -hmm. right? It's hard. Like, it's yeah. really hard because what they have and what most like good, uh, when I say good, I mean like sports with a lot of um, like background in high level development. So mm -hmm. like Olympic sports, you know, sports that are played in the collegiate level, they tend to have a pretty good fundamental understanding of like athletics what are our athletics really it's just alignment yeah how do i use my athletics body? Yeah. like yeah how do i use my body with proper alignment so if you take a guy who's just got really good understanding of how to move his body because he played you know whatever rugby or something like that when you give him a few things in jujitsu like you said it's a force multiplier yeah, it, yeah. you know people they, they ascribe that to like oh the guy's just a good athlete well, no, the guy was educated in how to like, yes, there are inherent athleticisms in different individuals. Mm -hmm. But that aside, if you take a guy who's played a high level sport of any kind, like have, have you ever rolled with Josh at our academy, like super tall guy, he just got his blue belt recently. 
He used to play professional rugby. Mm-hmm. Possibly. He, he's like 6'5", 220, 230. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. God help us. Like, he is a nightmare. Yeah. Uh, like, How long has he trained for? Oh, I mean, the dude barely shows up. Like, he comes to roll every once in a while. Like, comes to class here and there. And he is, like, no bullshit, probably the top five toughest roles in my academy. Yeah. Right? Like, there, there are guys that I know if I just, like, mind my P's and Q's, I'm not going to have any problems with. And then there's him where it's, like, he can reach you from so far away and he can put his arm into so like I I go to demonstrate Kimura control on him with like internal rotation, and I can <laughs> he just gets his alignment. And, and I can yeah. barely hold it, and he can just like start to move out of it because. But that's just because he's also like he never lets his shoulder yeah. get fully internally rotated. He's he like, knows oh, it feels he bad. He knows yeah. it feels bad, yeah. <laughs> and so he fixes his alignment. It's right? funny you mention that because uh, you know when we've got a first day new white belt who comes in, you can tell to what extent they've done anything athletic before in the past. It's not even a matter of how big or strong they are. No. But some people, it's just like, man, I just can't can't grab or control this guy. But then other people, they're like newborn giraffes. They're just falling all over the place and they just can't keep their feet on. Totally, yeah. So like that's uh, that's, that's a really important thing to understand. Like if you want to submit someone or, you know, again, control someone and Mm -hmm. then get to the point of submitting him or or her, uh, then you've got this whole process of if you don't get alignment, if you're just like, well, I got the position. I'm just going to submit you from here. Good luck to you. You, get, you mount someone who understands alignment. They'll be out in like a second. Like, right? I, yeah. I mean, I'll say this. Like, I'm definitely not nowhere near the best grappler out there. Like, I'm an okay grappler. Um, I, I certainly don't build my, uh, I, I guess, success or like uh, the, the impact that I'm trying to have on the jiu-jitsu community has nothing to do with me being any kind of like competitor or being able to outgrapple anyone at the high level because I can't. Uh, I, I think I'm just contributing as like a, as a coach and, and maybe a thinker, but like when it comes to actually like, you know, something I can rest my like hat on as far as success as a grappler is despite having trained with some of the best guys out there, I've been able to escape the mount with mm. just about everybody I've ever rolled with. Yeah. Right. Uh, regardless of size, like I've escaped the mount on 300 pound black belts. I've escaped the mount on multiple time world champions. And it's just because I'm not sitting there thinking, let me try to do this escape. Yeah. Let me do an upa, and I'm gonna roll like. A, let me trap and roll. Yeah. You know, so and so or, I or think that the guy. Fact that instructors teach that is like the mount escape. Oh my is, god, it drives it me is, crazy. It is just an affront to dignity, yeah. as far as I'm it, concerned. It, I can't deal with it. And from a points point of view, you don't get anything for it. No. And, and you land your opponent in a scoring position. In a scoring position, exactly. Yeah. It's it's. I mean, again, it, it, not that it's some like a bad move. It's that like in the depth chart, it should be like three or four mm-hmm. on the list of mount escapes you yeah. should be yeah. learning. Uh, but again, like the reason I'm able to escape the mount on guys who, let's face it, are in every way better grapplers than I am mm-hmm. is because all I'm worried about is I'm going to hold on to my alignment and I'm going to wait until they break theirs and people who get a little bit like greedy about submitting someone they're not yeah they, they always break their alignment they, right? you, like the closer we're talking about yeah, this too matt the closer they get to the end yeah i haven't listened to the episode on greed but i'm guessing you guys cover this extensively like people yeah. see that like oh it's it, there's the end if i just do the, oh yeah yeah so close yeah right yeah. and so like that is definitely a dynamic that if you're not aware of it if you're just a dude who's good at grappling and has memorized a bunch of moves and you mount someone and that someone knows alignment, good luck. Like I mount some people and like they're pretty good grapplers, 
But man, they're just desperate as hell. And it's the yeah. greed on the other side. They're like, I got to get out of the mount. I've been told the mount is bad. I better spaz the fuck out, even though I'm a black belt. Yeah. And let me turn and do this and da, da, da. And you just like tap them yeah. really easily. And, and no matter how good you are, everyone hits that breaking point eventually, right? If you yeah. can just keep your alignment and not let your opponent get anything on you, eventually they will get frustrated to the point where they get greedy and they make a mistake. And they make a mistake, yeah. And I, this is something I found as a guy who's usually giving up a lot of weight and and. and strength and youth to the people in my gym is I I can't control all aspects of their alignment most of the time, but I can control my own. Yes. And if I force them to be the first mover and to make a mistake or to expose a lever or something I can latch onto, then eventually, eventually I will get my opening. I don't have to pick up the guy and suplex him. Yeah. But what I can do is keep myself safe until an opportunity presents itself. Yeah, absolutely. And, and in that sense, like being on the bottom, when, you know, like if I get mounted uh, by somebody who understands this and they're just methodical and patient and they mount you, Jesus, the oh, difference. it's the worst. It's the yeah. worst because they don't care. They're like, I, I don't care if I armbar you. I don't care if I it's try. Like, I will just you. suck I'm life just out of sit you. There. <laughs> I'm going to sit here and I'm going to make little adjustments and make you eat all of my weight. Yeah. And I will constantly be accessing the levers on your body. I'm going to be accessing your spine. I'm going to be accessing your elbows and your wrists. And you're eventually going to give me something. Yeah. It's a whole different experience than... Getting, having somebody on top of you is like, yeah, I'm just going to try to armbar you. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah. My, my professor does this to me all the time. And I think I finally started to adopt this strategy, which is, you know, I used to want to like sweep, pass and choke within 10 seconds if I could. Yeah. Now it's like, no, I'm, I'm going to take my time. I like the goal is not to get to that submission. The goal is to reduce the other person's odds of success to as close to zero as I can and just gradually suck the life and the energy out. Well, of and that's you know. where the, the whole like, if we're going to talk about sub only or points or anything like that, that's where... When you introduce an artificial uh, element, like yeah. time, well, not the time is artificial, but like the, the shortness of the time, like it's five minutes, it's 10 minutes, and then we, you make it to overtime or, you know, we're, you know, you've got, you're up an advantage, so you're going to win yeah. because it's like, anytime you introduce that, you're introducing an incentive towards frankly like technically Passive unsound or, yeah. well no technically unsound movement yeah. like in the sense like if i'm down points you're rolling the dice now right? then i, then I need to i need to yeah. roll the dice either to get a submission or to get an escape yeah uh and then the, the flip side is in sub only which is that i've got zero incentive to try to escape because i'm gonna make it to overtime yeah and i've practiced my back control and my back escapes and that's really all i'm good at yeah yeah, yeah. Right? so you're so, gaming the rules so basically. it doesn't matter that's why sub only with the the like the overtime is not the solution to points matches that end no. that are boring that end in draws it's just the other side of the coin yeah, yeah. right so like the, the the only true expression of how good is your jujitsu is no time limit sub only and like yeah, not yeah, a lot yeah. of people are going to watch that but there's definitely an and you know again and then if you want to take it even further the only true expression of it is combat which mma is closest to because yeah in sub no time limit sub only if you can't punch me and you mount me and you mount me for 20 minutes and i'm just willing to sit there and not try to escape that's still a pretty artificial kind yeah. of circumstance so like I, I know we're not really here to talk about that kind of stuff but it's an interesting thing where you've got people who are like diehard supporters and believers in like no points is better no sub only is better no mm-hmm. no time limit so no no is better guys you're all wrong no no one of those things and it's like i feel like i have to do this with anybody who like has a certain political bent and it's like no guys you're all wrong everyone has some good solutions and everyone has some bad solutions and as soon as you start being team sub only you're compromising your thought process or your team this you're compromising your thought process yeah we did we did a whole episode on rule sets relatively recently and kind of the conclusion that we came out with is like look you've 
there is really no right answer. It's just a matter of, hey, look, if I'm going to go into this rule set, every one of these is almost like a different sport and yep. right or wrong, I play to those rules. Uh, yep. Knowing the rules is a massive competitive advantage and playing to those rules is just as important as being the superior athlete. Like if you know how to work the rules, for sure, you can take out someone who is technically way better than you in every other way just by exploiting the rules. Uh, but it, yeah, to your point, I mean, every I, every one of these rule sets has pros and cons and I, I don't know if there is necessarily a, a right answer um, I generally, the thing about submission only rule sets is I know that in theory, it's supposed to be like more pure, but yeah, I agree with you that it, it leads to submission diving, right? Rather than yep. trying to establish good alignment and, and establish high probabilities of success, it leads to a lot of dice rolling where it's like, I just want to get that flash submission and get this over with yeah. or going to overtime so that you can then kind of game the whole rule system and win in a shootout. Well, I find the whole, uh, like argument from purity to be kind of an absurd argument. Argument. Because like, mm -hmm. if we look at recent history, people who argue about purity of any kind <laughs> are well, not the sort of people you want to associate well, as, with. As, as they right? say, like, it's pretty weak thinking. As they say, only the Sith deal in absolutes, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so like, like, what purity exactly are you talking about exactly. when we're talking about jujitsu, right? Like, which is why, again, I, like, I'm such a big advocate of... I'm just going to teach you alignment. I'm going to mm -hmm. teach you how to grapple. I always tell people like, yeah, yeah I'm a jujitsu black belt, but I'm a grappling instructor. I'm trying yeah. to teach you how to control your body, how to control yeah. someone else's body. You teach the foundation the, that the will rules, always be the, the same rules don't and then matter. you tailor to the rules. Yeah. Right? So yeah. like when somebody comes to my gym and they're like, yeah, so like I'm from an IBJJF gym. I'm like, really? The IBJJF owns gyms now? But yeah, it, do, it does, right? Huh. Like it absolutely does. It's like, I'm from a gym that teaches jujitsu according to IBJJF. Oh, yeah. I, I thought you meant right, like, like an IBJJF certified but that's gym. What I'm, really? but that's kind of the point I'm making. It's like, really? You, you're from a gym that's like IBJJF? That's yeah. kind of silly. Is it like, well, no, my gym just, that's the kind of jujitsu we do. Like, that's kind of like, I mean, cool and all, but like, did you, did you know about that when you signed up? Like, were you told that, Hey, this is one version of how jujitsu can be mm -hmm. done, right? Yeah, there's a whole wide universe there's out whole, there. Yeah, they, they usually don't present it that way. They're just no. like, no, come to our gym and learn jujitsu and 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 learn it for self defense. And that's one of the main. And, mm -hmm. and I, I don't think that's a big selling point. Honestly, I think that's totally silly. Yeah, but uh, it's, not, it's not self defense. It's, yeah, I mean that's maybe I mean, something we can is, talk about in the, like... in the episode that we're gonna do about like different gyms and right, stuff like right, that. Right, but right. like, uh, yeah, like th there's no reason to teach someone. Like, oh, like hey, you won't hear people be like, yeah, I come from an ADCC gym yeah. or I come from a, you know, a Naga gym or a, yeah. like, it, so like, yeah, that, that kind of baffles me. It was like, yeah, we just do IBJJF rules here. I'm like, all right. It's so like, you're not okay. really teaching jujitsu, right? Like, you're, you're, you're teaching a really specific You're teaching a set. tailored version right. to to win a particular family of sport is what yeah. it is. Like it's, I think the thing is it, it is very, and we'll talk again, we'll talk about this probably in the next episode, but people tend to get very dogmatic in terms of mm -hmm. their jujitsu thinking and their jujitsu rule set. Or thinking and, in general. Yeah, 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 yeah. And even if your intent is not to get that way, I mean, the reality is this is going to have weird ripple effects. Like mm -hmm. for example, if you train in a gym that is primarily in the gi, odds are because of the tournaments nearby you, yeah, you're going you're to favor IBJJF, IBJJF rules, for sure. and that's going to mean that the people in your gym are likely not always guaranteed, but likely going to be weak at leg locks and perhaps takedowns, right? Yep. I mean, these patterns do exist. And, and, if, and frankly, they'll be weak at like high level submission finishing yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and defense because the, that rule set does not promote a, like, again, what it promotes is people taking chances mm -hmm. to negate certain things from scoring, which means if you're competing under the IBJJF rule set, you will expose your back in dangerous ways when someone's about to pass, mm -hmm. which means you will get on someone's back 
easier than you would otherwise. And because they'll be so damn concerned about not letting you get the second hook, because that's the only way you can score points. Body triangle doesn't count. Crossed yeah. ankles doesn't yep. count. It means you'll expose your neck. And so what you're going to get is somebody who's really good at getting the back and finishing on someone who's taking an unnecessary risk, mm-hmm. which is why, again, when you see, uh, you know, in a, an EBI, you see like Danaher's guys or even the 10th Planet guys, and you see somebody who's really experienced at the IBJJF rule set. And they can't get a sniff of finishing someone from the back because those guys are good yeah, at yeah. not getting choked because there isn't an artificial incentive to leave their neck out yeah. and defend that that other hook. Yeah, right. So that's sort of like it's it's it, people tend to uh, just uh, categorize IBJJF guys as being a weak at leg locks. It's not just that. There mm-hmm. are other elements that they're foregoing to focus on that rule set. And, and to your point, most new students when they choose a gym. They probably don't know about this. I mean, like when I started jujitsu, no. I didn't even know that IBJJF was a thing. Like I, but yet I wound up in the school that kind of funneled into that mindset, and that's that's fine. Like if your goal is to play and compete within that rule set, that's awesome. That's great. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, to you, but it should be something that you're consciously aware of, and not just something that you're invisibly steered towards. Well, and that's again something we'll probably touch on in yeah. the other uh, episode, which is the idea of like let people make an informed decision. I think, I think the main takeaway here though, is that it, regardless of what flavor of jujitsu you want to study, probably the best approach is learn alignment, learn that solid foundation, and then tailor it to whatever rule set you think is, you you know, you particularly want to compete in. Just be consciously aware of and understand what those rule sets are, because to your point, there will be some things that are incentivized or de-incentivized depending on the rule set Well, I think, uh, I mean, if if I have kind of a life's mission, it's to get more people to recognize that regardless of your goals, whether it's to compete in different rule sets of our sport, whether it's to apply jujitsu as self-defense as a civilian, whether it's to apply it as a law enforcement officer in controlling suspects, whether it's just to do a hobby that you enjoy, whether it's to prevent injuries. Like there is no aspect of jujitsu that isn't dramatically enhanced by understanding it conceptually through alignment and frames and levers and stuff like that. True. Got it. At my school, we generally like depending on if there's a competition to to practice for a specific rule set or whatever, um, we generally go by the IBJJF model in terms of like, you know, when I'm teaching, if I'm if I'm uh, referring to things you should or shouldn't do, I generally refer to the IBJJF model. Like, yeah. you know, if you if you fall back for a footlock, there's a good chance that you're going to end up on the bottom, um, which and yeah. which means you give up a sweep, blah blah blah. Like, I generally tend to put it through that lens, and then in no gi class, I tend to teach it. Uh, basically the IBJJF model with the addition of heel hooks. Like I don't do like, I don't do like IBJJF for gi, ADCC for no gi. Like I basically treat it all as the IBJJF point system, which allows reaps and heel hooks without the gi. So I'm just wondering like at your club, what would be sort of the default... Uh, system that or lens not even system I don't even like that word but like we lens that you would teach I, through I, I honestly don't do that I, I I mean when we are preparing for specific competitions I'll mention the like the the particular rule set the the how the points work to the degree that I understand it but I don't really do that so like I'll mention ADCC rules I'll mention EBI rules I'll mention stuff like that again, the, the I mentioned kind of at the beginning how some people who like to criticize, not just the conceptual approach, but like higher level, but certainly like this has been a, a criticism that's been leveled at me personally, which is like, well, you know, Rob, the only reason your guys are good is because you're like a hardcore competition club. 
Like, are you though? I've never not at all. That's what the, like <laughs> yeah. the, the funny thing about that is like if you're gonna use that as a criticism, like dude, come to my gym. No one from my gym competes. We have like you know we've got at this point about 120 adult students of whom like right now we're getting ready for Nogi Worlds. It's me, one of my black belts, and two of my blue belts. There are yeah. four people from my club going to Nogi Worlds, and like we're doing it because it's gonna be kind of fun and like one of the guys is taking it pretty seriously he's doing some extra strength and conditioning oh, you know man and like, yeah you're he's right lifting heavy yeah, yeah, yeah. things you know like him back down again but like there's there's no like there's no one at my gym that's even close to what most uh like people would define as a full-time competitor yeah like yeah. it's not even close right and like the closest we've ever had to it was like there was a six-month period where one of my students was getting ready for adcc trials and that was the closest we've had to like a full-time guy so like our gym is as far from a hardcore competition gym mm -hmm. as it gets maybe the reason our guys are good is because they're actually being coached properly and I, and I don't go assume that just because they're a hobbyist, they automatically have to suck at jujitsu after mm -hmm. doing it for 10 years. Like yeah. that's probably more got to do with it than any kind of like competition approach. Cause that's just not how I train my guys. We don't have a comp class. We don't have, we don't do a hard warm up. We you don't just do have a get good any class, right? Yeah. We have it like show up to jujitsu and I'm going to teach you some stuff and we're going to do it. Mm -hmm. Like that's all we do. If anything, I need to be more to that. It's like, if I want my students to succeed at competition, I have to emphasize more like strength and conditioning and, and, and competition type stuff. Yeah. I don't do it very much at all. From my, yeah. from my standpoint, whenever you create a, like a basically like a class system within your own gym where you've got the competition team and you've got the, the hobbyists, or even if you've just got like the colored belts and the, and the junior guys, yeah. whenever you do that, you create a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy because you're sending sure. a message that these guys are expected to operate at different levels. And that is immediately going to drive a wedge right between your team. I Couldn't think it's a really more. bad thing Couldn't for agree more. gyms to do. Uh, again, something we should probably mention. In yeah, the, save it for the, the next yeah. episode, boys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good point. Well, one thing Back actually... <laughs> so, So one thing on the topic of alignment that I wanted to actually get your input on, yeah. uh, something that I, I've heard you talk about is the alignment game or the alignment score. Score, yeah. Uh, so why don't you talk a little bit about this? Because I found this to be a super helpful way to like measure whether I'm doing things right in the moment. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, we mentioned the idea of it being uh, in three. So alignment is made up of base posture and structure, which adds up to three. That's my score. My opponent has an alignment score as well. So they might have base posture and structure. They've got three. My goal in any exchange is to make sure that my score is three. Mm -hmm. If it's below three, I don't try to do anything offensive, certainly, right? So like we, we can get really deep into the weeds on like how the score can work given a particular scenario. But the basic uh, formula is I want three. I want you to have less than three. So if you're ever in a situation, and this is probably an important distinction, yeah. if you're ever in a situation where your alignment is two or less, you should not be focused on going on the offensive and taking no. your opponent's away. No. You got to get your own back first. So right? when when you see a lot of things fail in jujitsu, people aren't sure why. It's like, man, I tried to armbar that guy, and I didn't get the armbar, and they passed my guard. And I need to get better at the armbar. It's like, nope, wrong. Yeah. Like that is the worst yeah. possible lesson you could have gotten from that. The lesson was your alignment was shitty. You need to have proper alignment first. Then you need to break their alignment. And depending on what result you want, that's going to dictate how much of an alignment break you need to create. If it's three to two, I probably wouldn't be trying to submit anybody unless yeah. I'm like significantly stronger, faster, better, et cetera. Really at three to two, I can start thinking about maybe sweeping you. 
and possibly passing your guard. Yeah. And, and like other like intermediate goals that will allow me to advance uh, in the positional hierarchy. At three to one, I can think about like in like dominantly passing your guard. Like if I get you to three to one, I'll pass right to mount. Yeah. yeah. Um, or, you know, getting uh, like a, a pretty solid attack. Like you, there are certain submissions that you can definitely attack from three to two, particularly if you have a really dominant position. So like the back. Yeah. Uh, but then for the most part, if I, you know, if, if I get it to three to one submissions and if I get it to three to nothing, for sure submission. Yeah, yeah. Like you're dead in the water. If I point. get you to three to zero. Yeah, three to zero probably is a submission in most that's situations. Right? For the most part. Like yeah. it's rare you'll get someone to three to zero without submitting them. Yeah. Uh, and if you get them there, it doesn't really matter who you are. You're getting submitted. Yeah. 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 Okay. So like I guess a good example would be like let's talk about like closed guard, right? So yeah. I'm in your closed guard. Closed guard is such an interesting position because either the guy on the top or the guy on the bottom can have the advantage completely depending on, on what the alignment the score. Like. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, if I'm the guy on the top and I'm like, I've got my posture, I'm sitting up properly. My spine is pointing up. My hands are kind of like, you know, I've got them tucked so that you can't get a dominant grip. Yeah. Probably I've got all three, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Presumably the guy on the bottom, depending on what I'm doing, would have three or less. Yes. But if the guy on the bottom is like, he's pulling me down, he's pulled one of my arms separate from the rest of yeah. my body. I can no longer stand up properly. Yep. Suddenly my score has gone down. So the position, technically, if you want to classify it, is exactly the same. It's yeah. closed guard. Yeah. But if we look at it through the alignment lens, whoever's winning and losing can be a dramatically different conversation. Totally. Yeah. So that's where, again, like the position is less relevant than the alignment. And a good way of looking at it is in the guard, if I've just broken your posture, I probably shouldn't try to submit you. Yeah. yeah. Like I can maybe try to hit you with a We're sweep. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. Yeah. But if I break your posture and I draw your elbow across your body, now I've broken your posture and your structure. That's a good time to attack an armbar. Now, if I were to dump you over onto your side a little bit where you had no base, so I've broken your posture, your structure, and your base, I'm for sure going to finish that. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, like other extreme factors uh, taken out of the equation for a second. If I get you face down, head bent, arm sticking out, I'm going to submit you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. at that point, you would have to make a pretty massive Huge mistake, mistake yeah. in order for the, your opponent to recover. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay, that, that makes sense. And I mean, the way that I think of this whole concept is that really, if you wanted to describe to a casual person, like if my grandma came up to me and said, Steve, what is jujitsu? Yeah. Like the way that I would probably describe it in one sentence is it is a game of trying to maintain your alignment while breaking your opponents. Yes. And if the follow-up question is what is alignment, I would then say it is posture, structure, yeah. and base. Yeah. So that's so basically like all it is. The definition that I give people in the intro before their first class, I explain all these terms and then I say, jujitsu is the game or art or science, like whatever appeals to you the most. That, mm -hmm. that, you know, for me, it's science. For most people, it's game or art. So jujitsu is the game of utilizing frames and levers to affect our opponent's base posture and structure. And uh, when we do that, we've created vulnerability. How you use that is up to you. Cool. Yeah. So you talk about levers and frames a lot. Yeah. Um, frames, I think, is probably pretty self-explanatory to people, although there's some nuance, right? Sure. Like frame basically means you're relying on the solid parts of your body, usually your skeleton, yep. to support your opponent's weight. Yeah. Generally, if I'm using a solid part of my body that's not my skeleton, then I'm very attracted to you. <laughs> I, it took me a second. And I, I, 
yeah, I wonder if you could actually use that as a phrase. Um, but it, it, there's a few caveats. Depends how many kegels you've done. Yeah. Right? <laughs> uh, but there, there's some caveats to build onto that, right? Yeah. Like, for example, if I'm if I'm kind of propping you up with my forearm, that's different from if I'm straight arming you, right? Yeah. If, if my frame has joints or breakable components in it, like my wrist, then maybe in some situations that's workable, but in a lot of situations, maybe the frame isn't really the best situation there because the frame can be broken. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I like the, that's when we get into those, like the, like the subdivision of like, you can have point one of base point two. Of yeah, base. yeah. Yeah. Like with a frame, I would argue that if it's not a, like a weight bearing structure, then it's not really a good frame. Exactly. Right. Like you, you can, you, it's more of a block. Yeah. Like I'm, I can try to block you by putting my hand up when my arm is bent. But if you push on the end of that, then it's really just a lever that's being used against me, right? It becomes a moment arm. Yeah, yeah, got yeah. it. I mean, the way that I normally give this example is like, you know, day one white belt, when he gets mounted, he's going to try and bench press the guy off of him. Yeah. Technically, that is a frame. You know, you put your hand right up and you're pushing your opponent, but the problem is it's not a good frame, right? Because well, see, I would argue that it's not a frame because the angle at which they do it actually makes it a lever because you're not trying to bench press. Like if I put my hands on your hips and I start pushing, that's fine. That's actually a really good frame. Mm. Because I'm not trying to bench press you at the chest. What beginners do yeah. is they push on your chest, yeah. which changes the angle gives you a lever. in such a way that they make their arms levers. Well, so I wouldn't yeah. say that that's to a clarify, frame. To clarify, yeah. as if I am also as the guy on top, day one white belt, yeah. then it might be a frame if, if I just sit there and do nothing and let him bench press me. But the problem with having your arm exposed like that yeah. is a simple change of the angle yeah. turns it from your frame to my lever, right? Yeah. So Well, and that's really like when we talk about frames and levers is that's what the game actually is. Like we talk about alignment. Yeah, we want to affect base posture and structure, but the real like micro battles that are occurring are the frame lever yeah. battles, which is like, I want a frame and you want to turn it into a yeah. lever. And there's like the better you are at setting up frames that are hard to like switch into levers, the better your defense is going to be. Yeah. And the better you are as a, a, in the offensive capacity at accessing levers and, but also defensively, like you can use levers very well defensively. Uh, so yeah, it, it's the dynamic between frames and levers that really creates the kind of game of jujitsu. So that, that's actually a really good point. You know, a yeah. lot of the time when you explain alignment to someone, they'll say, okay, 100% makes sense. I get it. Yeah. How do I actually map this down to what's happening on the battlefield? Like, how do I map this down to an individual technique? And yeah. the way that I usually explain it it's is... frames and levers. It's frames and, and wedges levers. to a lesser and, and, degree. Yeah. yeah. So, like, to me, the alignment is the why behind jujitsu. Yes. I think... Frames um, and levers, frames and levers the is the how. Yes. And I think of the individual technique as the what. Yeah. So, you kind of go through things in that order, right? I mean, yeah. I, I remember, too, you know, it's funny. I didn't really start thinking this way until I got to, like, brown belt. And I... Uh, you know, I used to get just like thrown around all the time and I could never really get my, you know, get guard the way I wanted to from both the top and the bottom. And one day I just got frustrated and I thought, you know what, what would happen if I just never let anyone grab me again? <laughs> and and yeah. I just decided, you know what, I'm just going to prioritize that. I'm not going to try and pass. I'm just not going to let any of these mofos try to grab me. And I'm just going to, yeah. and basically that's what you would call a lever battle, right? Yeah. I just never let someone get a lever, lever control of me. And yeah. that made a dramatic difference to my game. Huge. Yeah. Like yeah. when we talk about hand fighting, we're essentially talking about the frame lever battle. Yeah. Uh, when we talk about range battles in jujitsu, it, at the first, like it, at the engagement phase, it's always a frame lever dynamic. Yeah. Uh, we want to gr to gain a grip on our opponent that gives us access to a lever yeah. or that denies our opponent 
access to yeah. a lever and allows us to establish and a to cl- to clarify by lever we basically mean any handle you can get onto your opponent's body that you can use as a force multiplier yeah exactly right? a lever is a force multiplier yeah. so like the uh, uh the example i always give people is i have them sit on their butt and lean forward and i'll try to shove them with like just using kind of like direct force and then i'll grab their ankle and hoist it up and yeah. flip them on their back like as any lever that i can use to multiply the force that i'm uh or the, that i'm transmitting into your body yeah. is yeah that's what it's I'm like the way for. i think of it is unless you're a professional wrestler you're probably not going to be able to just like grab someone's entire body and just suplex them but if you are a normal human being the way that you can move someone's entire body is dominant lever control you latch on to an arm a leg or the head um, and then you can use that to cause a ripple effect through your opponent's body that's normally the first thing you have to do when you're grappling is figure out what is the handle here that i can exploit yeah i can remember um like or you know seeing seeing new guys grapple and and generally what they try and do to their opponent is control their torso they'll try and like exactly. grab their body yeah. which is they'll try to hurt someone they'll just try and grab them and just like basically yeah. move their entire body as mm-hmm. if it were one big boulder exactly like if you think about it it kind of makes sense from the eyes of a beginner because oh, you're yeah. trying to control someone's body yeah. right yeah. and this is and, how you learn and, watching hollywood and all you know that's like that's that's how fight scenes <laughs> and wwf until <laughs> until like until john wick that's how people thought fights looked right <laughs> Yeah. Um, and, uh, I, I remember actually, I think, it, I think kind of, I had a big breakthrough with you when you started to start developing the two on one concept yeah. just from the, from the open guard. Yep. Uh, and then that really like opened my eyes to like the actual lever lever battles going on and the concept of like, not just taking control of a lever, but like activating the lever, like using that lever to create dramatic effect basically, yeah. as opposed to just like, you know, just grabbing it and not actually using it to break yes. alignment. Yeah. So for me, that was like a really big big game changer and when you start to show it to people and tell people hey like you can use a lever as a force multiplier to control somebody's torso and basically the way i describe it is like if you grab their right right arm or right wrist you basically have control of that right shoulder if you generate enough rotation or vice versa if you control their right leg you can control their right hip right yeah and and generate rent well and i think it's 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 really important to add to that because like we're always looking for ways to like clarify right like any uh you know any concept or any idea notion whatever at the beginning as you like the what you're trying to do to improve on something is just refine the depth of understanding right Mm -hmm. so when we talk about levers one thing that i'm trying to kind of uh like expand upon which like you'll probably see it on you know, a forthcoming project or on BJJ concepts, you mentioned activating the lever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm, I'm trying to think of like a, a simple way of explaining the fact that you know, when we talk about levers in an abstract sense, like as, as simple machines in science, it's usually like, okay, like a teeter totter or like a crowbar or whatever. But when we talk about the, the biomechanics of a human body, like how we need to activate that lever is so dependent on what the muscle structures around yes, are doing. Yes, yes. And so we usually talk about rotational control. So we talk about ratchet levers and stuff like that. Yeah. So we've already expanded on this idea a little bit in our concepts, mm-hmm. but that's something that is highly uh, dependent. Like your success is highly dependent on how you control that lever because I, I mm-hmm. can, I'm controlling the lever when I grab your forearm midway. Yeah. It's just a shitty lever. It's yeah. not one that's going to allow me a lot of mechanical advantage. The more mechanical advantage that a lever affords me. And anytime I learn from someone who like, they may not think about it in these terms. Like most of the elite grapplers that I uh, train with, they don't think about jujitsu this way. They no. very much think about it in terms of moves. But when I learn a variation from someone that's like better than something that I've already been doing, 
invariably that variation involves a more efficient lever mechanic yeah. or yeah. more efficient expression of, of of denying someone base or whatever it's like you know like the the two-on-one thing came from me training with eddie cummings mm-hmm. and him identifying like the the point of the elbow as the mechanical end of the lever and that was a huge breakthrough and then uh kind of taking it and and working with it and identifying the fact that when you take the wrist and you're able to rotate it and create that little bit of rotation to prevent uh, somebody from just like denying you that lever access by closing their elbow. Mm -hmm. So like the more rotation you're able to impart to a joint, Mm -hmm. generally speaking, joints are strongest or like, you know, your, your limbs are strongest when they move in a certain plane of motion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when you impart rotation to that, you're reducing the effectiveness of it. So like, again, we, it's something we talk about already, but I'm really trying to figure out a way of like explaining it better, easier. So people understand when we're trying to take these levers, we are trying to like spin them a little bit yeah, yeah. To, to make the lever access more effective. The way that I normally explain it, uh, cause this is something that I kind of struggle with too. I'm, I mean, when you're talking about levers, the neck is kind of a special case. Like mm-hmm. generally speaking, if you can grab the person's head and control it, the other guy's kind of pooch no matter what. Yep. Uh, it, with the arms and the legs, it gets trickier because, I, I mean, the human body is actually a really incredible device when it comes to compensating and recovering from error. I mean, you, like, yep. you, you look at a computer. If anything goes wrong, the computer is screwed. Totally. With the human body, we have these incredible limbs that have three different joints. Like yep. if, if you think of what like your, your legs would be like if your knee was just fused and you couldn't bend it, we'd be falling over all yeah. the time, right? The, the thing that makes our arms and legs so powerful is that they can turn and twist in almost any direction to compensate for incoming force. Yeah. And the reason we can do that is because we've got three joints. Yeah. And what I feel, and this kind of ties into your conversation about a shitty lever, yeah. the mistake a lot of people make is when they want to grab and go for arm or leg control, they satisfy themselves by only having one joint. And yeah. I, I firmly feel that if you want to really control someone's arm or leg, you need at least two of those three and joints. that's why we talk so much about what we call ratchet levers, which is, yes. can we take your, you know, your ankle or your wrist and use it to rotate your elbow and your shoulder exactly. or your knee and your hip. And which so, requires two, a minimum two joints right. of control. And those are the most powerful levers. Exactly. A direct lever is never going to be as powerful as a ratchet lever. Yeah. And again, these are not like ratchet lever is not a scientific term. It's just like an easy way to explain it because you can explain to someone hey use a screwdriver and then use a ratchet like one is way more powerful so rather than going with that direct uh contact we're using a ratchet to rotate someone so i think it inherently makes more sense right because if you think of like if i were to grab your arm right now and just try to like Without proper armbar mechanics, you yeah. try to hyperextend it. Basically, I'm just like fighting really one joint. But yeah. if I twist your arm, I'm I'm in order to do that, I'm controlling at least two joints. Exactly. Um, and and if I want to finish someone, like if I want to actually submit someone, I need to have all three joints completely locked up. This is a mistake that I used to make until actually Matt explained this to me, which I think he got from you, which is this whole conversation about how like when you're trying to submit a limb, basically yeah. you're trying to break a lever. Yeah. The the thing about our arms and our legs is because they are so mobile and adjustable, if I pull on one joint, yeah. then that pressure is going to bleed through into, the yeah. other joints. And so I have to really make sure, like if I want to armbar you, the mistake a lot of people make is, yeah, I've got your wrist and I've got your elbow but I'm probably not tight enough on your shoulder. Shoulder or, or, or neck or, or shoulder. Or shoulder. shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, so, and just sorry to cut you off, but like this is why structure is the most complicated of the yeah. three of base partial It's structure. got the most moving parts. Most variables. Yeah, the most variables. And you have to control more variables to be successful. And the more variables you add, the more complex yeah. uh, you know, a system is, the mm-hmm. harder it is to get good at it, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, and by, and by talking about like the three-joint rule, essentially, I guess you could say like three levers as well. Like the, yeah. The, yeah. Sh- there'd be the... Uh, it, I, 
Help me out here. You're yeah. the you're the guy who knows anatomy. There's yeah. the it's the, called a uh, shoulder, the map. humerus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the, the humerus, and then you've got the the radius and the ulna and the forearm. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So like the three levers. You know, when I when I explain the concept of a lever to someone, I also sort of show them that hey, it's not your arm is not just one lever, even though it is. Yeah. But there's multiple levers yeah. there, and I guess yeah. that's what you mean when you say like yeah. So multiple like, yeah, joints. And then, then you get into like the, the actual the hand itself, which is actually really important yeah. because that's the one that imparts rotation the best, right? Yeah. So when we're talking about finishing arm bars, if I'm not able to control your hand, like if I'm just controlling your yeah. wrist. There's still that uh, that hitchhiker escape. There's no rotational. There's some rotational escapes that people can attempt. When you control the hand and the elbow and the shoulder and the neck, man, it's really tough to get out. And this is why stuff like Aikido generally doesn't work. (laughs) Hey, look, I'm sorry, but it's true, right? I mean, if I've... uh, Nothing against Aikido, except that it doesn't work. But if, if I've got... If I'm just grabbing your wrist and I'm trying to throw you just with your wrist, you've got to really suck in order for that to happen, right? Yeah. Now, if somehow I'm able to lock up your wrist and your elbow and your shoulder, I can move you wherever I want you to go. Yeah. But if I'm just grabbing your wrist, like you have to be charging full steam at me in order to have any chance of getting a takedown with that, right? Yeah. I mean, th- th- that's just, it's not just Aikido. Like, the, honestly, that that stuff exists in jiu-jitsu. There's, yep. There are people who teach hot garbage mm-hmm. and with the same kind of mentality as Aikido, which is like, look, stay perfectly still and I'm going to do yeah. this move on you. And yeah, like yeah that, that, that also exists in our my general, it's, it's reduced, but it yeah. exists. Right? My, my like, general smell test when it comes to submissions uh, for on the arms and the legs is like, if it doesn't allow, if you are not fully immobilizing all three of the major joints in that yeah. leg or in that arm, it's probably not a great submission. And yeah. if, if you are not, aren't able to finish a submission, it's probably because you're not controlling one of those joints properly. Like yep. if, you, if your opponent is constantly spinning out of your leg locks or hitchhiker escaping, the question you have to ask yourself is how do I control the shoulder or how do I control the hip? And in the context of jujitsu, that's hard to do. Normally you do it by wedging up wedges. against the far yeah. arm or the far leg. I mean, yeah. we, we had a whole talk about double trouble, I think back in episode 30, and we could go on for days about this. Um, I guess if we were to just kind of like wrap this whole thing in one big package. And I, I understand, of course, that this is like a massive info dump for Just, most people. I can't let this go. I'm not a big fan of wrapping packages. I, I like to... You yeah, like to I leave like them free and open? Yeah. 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 Got it. It explains a lot about actually the whole game plan and strategy. We, we haven't even gotten into the taint stuff. We might have to do a whole episode on that. Um, but I... Basically, we would say that jujitsu is a game of alignment. Your goal is you keep your alignment, you break your opponents. Alignment is the why of jujitsu, like why all of this stuff is happening. Alignment has three pieces. You've got posture, meaning is my spine being effectively utilized? You've got structure, meaning are my limbs being effectively utilized? And you've got base, meaning can I create and absorb force relative to my goals? Really what you're trying to do, you want to keep all three of those things. You want to take them away from your opponent. Yeah. The priority is keeping it for yourself. You don't want Absolutely. to be trying to yeah, like yeah. strip down your opponent's alignment if yeah. your own is broken. Well, this is where like a lot of my criticisms for certain uh, you know styles or, yeah. or approaches in jujitsu is very much that. sacrificing is alignment. Like, yeah. yeah, let me go for this low percentage thing, even though I'm in a crappy place because I can maybe submit you. Yeah, that, that is by far not the way to do it. The yeah. priority is your alignment. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So when someone comes in and they say, "Well, okay, that's all great, but how do I map that down to individual techniques?" The kind of how 
of you do this, of how you do this is basically frames, wedges, and levers, right? Yes. These are the core mechanics of jujitsu. And that's how you break someone's alignment or how you retain your own, right? Really, yeah. it, I, in my mind, like mostly what this means is you're probably going to be seeking your opponent's levers. You're mm -hmm. going to be probably trying to prevent them from grabbing your own. Yep. And frames and wedges are the tools that you use to do that effectively. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and a really important thing too is understanding how to recover from lever control, which is like usually if someone's going to grab you, they're going to grab around your wrist or your ankle first. Yeah, it's yeah. rare that someone will get so close to you, unless again, you kind of aren't that good, yeah. that they can get they're going to get the dog. easy joint. They're going to get the, the easy joint. one. So, you know, like if someone's controlling my sleeve, let's say, and I feel myself getting swept, the mistake that most people make at the beginning is they try to free their hand they try or to their pull wrist. Back or whatever, they try to pull yeah. back, which just creates a lot of tension and actually yeah. makes you easier to move. The simplest answer is that, you know, provided you've got a functioning arm that bends, is use your elbow. Yeah. So if you're controlling my wrist and I'm being swept to the side, I will post that elbow. So yeah, I'm, that makes sense. I'm essentially changing my arm from a lever into a frame. Yeah. And, and that's a lot of the battles that you're having is that frame lever yeah. dynamic. Yeah. This is something my instructor always used to tell me because I used to have this trouble all the time. People would grab me and I just couldn't get it back. And yeah. eventually he said like, look, rather than trying to constantly try to grip fight and break these grips, it's far more efficient to reposition your body so yes. that grip is no longer meaningful or helpful to your opponent. Exactly. Yeah. And then we haven't even touched on like proxy versus direct control as well. Like the, yeah, the use I mean, of, uh, how, how lever control works. Of equipment exactly. And, yeah. Yeah. And there well, are ways too, as well that you can sort of like little tricks. I actually, I always throw out shout outs to, uh, Jonathan Thomas, who I think has awesome. some, yeah. some of the best gi, like if you want quick gripping knowledge in the gi, like for me, I spent so much time doing no gi and gi was kind of in the background. And then when I started doing gi again, I was like, oh man, like I, I don't, I really don't know what the fuck I'm doing here when it comes to, <laughs> when it comes to grip fighting. Like yeah. I know, I know how to get to guards, but if my grip breaks, I don't know where to go from there. Yeah. I don't know. That's kind of where you need to know, like techniques, right? Yep. Sequences. So then watching him, I picked up a lot of info and, and he has little tricks where he'll like rotate the sleeve around your wrist in order to make it more tight and, make, yeah. and have so better I mean, control. Honestly, I wouldn't call those tricks. I would say that those are just good mechanics, right? Because yeah. that's like, like. I don't train a tremendous amount in the gi anymore. Maybe tricks just, was a bad word because yeah, I don't want to no, allude sorry, that I'm, there's I'm like being, a magic. Yeah, I'm trick being pedantic, but like I, because I go through the same thing where like someone will come in and again, like they've been training for eight years, they're a brown belt, mm -hmm. and I'm like, hey, when you grab the gi, just do it like this, and they're like, oh, yeah, I know exactly. If you just impart this oh, tiny yeah. twist. I'm like, yeah, because you're creating yeah. more tension. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, and you're creating more friction, and yeah, et cetera, et cetera. So like, if you approach everything from the idea of how can I make this as mechanically efficient as possible, yeah. and I'm not saying that like I came up with it necessarily, but like. Yeah, like if if you if you seek that stuff out, it's available. Yeah. And John yeah. Thomas is one of the best guys. Well, out there let, let me ask a question here because I mean, if there's one thing that uh someone who's never heard this stuff before, like if they were to listen to this podcast, they probably might think, you know, man, there's a lot of material here. If only yeah. there were like a a curriculum course or an instructional or an online academy that I could go to to get more information. Like, because clearly this is just the tip of the iceberg. Where would you go if you wanted to learn more about all of this? Yeah. So, I mean, if you enjoyed me giving you just the tip and you want more, yeah. uh, go to BJJ. The tip Con is never satisfying enough. Right? Not at I all. Um, especially with the generous way that we lubed it. Uh, <laughs> like, if you want more. God, uh, get a roomie. Yeah. Jesus get a, Christ. Get, um, get yourself a subscription to BJJ Concepts. <laughs> Dot net uh, dot com will get you there as well um, and try it out for a month and if you like it you know uh, we've got a few different membership options we've got a pedagogy section which is entirely devoted to teaching people yeah. how to teach and, and you guys are academy. the only people I know who have actually yeah. done that I think so like to my knowledge we are the only resource 
for like learning how to be a jujitsu instructor online mm-hmm. um, with an established kind of like record of success for like creating good mm-hmm. teachers within our system. Yeah. And, and we're always talking about Rob's stuff on the podcast. And one thing I've mentioned before is that the BJJconcepts.net database is super easy to navigate through. Um, I, th- I think it's one of the main things that sets it apart aside from awesome content, but the way that it, uh, structures the lessons and, um, makes it easily, easy to find and, and navigate what you look at, what you're looking for, not to mention the pedagogy section, which yeah. is like completely unique to all other academies. Um, it's one of the things that really stands out and, and even your instructions in general with Stefan, I find are structured, mm-hmm. uh, in a very easy to, uh, to navigate way. And it's, it's, it kind of sets it apart from other instructionals and other online yeah, academies. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. And I have received that feedback from a lot yeah. of different sources where it's like, even, you know, if we're like, not to shit on like Mendez bros, but like, yeah, if you no, go no, to no. there, it's uh, just a, it's just a library, right? Yeah. So it's hard and to I find. mean, I think most places are that they're a library and the way they're, and, and I like, again, this isn't me trying to like say it. This is just the feedback that we've received, which is like, what sets your stuff apart? Okay. One, the concepts are really concrete. There's a lot of like people who use concepts as a buzzword. They're not really teaching a, mm-hmm. a like a proper system of concepts. They're just it's just random concepts. Being it's just like the same thing as techniques. It's random. So what we've got is a really concrete set of concepts that we map onto all our lessons. So when you mm-hmm. learn the one on one material, you're learning it through the lens of those concepts. And then when you move into the two on one material, you're learning it through that. Every module is a position. So yeah, like the feedback that we've gotten is in terms of navigation, it's definitely set up in a way that's easy for you to just yeah. go through and and learn. So. Yeah. I'll, and, I'll say that Rob is like, he's kind of a master of the way that he plans his uh, instructionals and doing an instructional under like Rob's guidance. Uh, when I was doing the crab ride Barambolo instructional, like I came up with the plan that I wanted. I'm like, okay, this is how we're going to do it. I send it to him. He's like, yeah, dude, your, your structure is like, you got to change. I'm like, I spent a lot of time on this, man. <laughs> and then like, that was like one of four drafts where finally, you know, after like four Four or five different uh, times restructuring it. It was at a point where he's like, "Okay, this is something that is not not just good and conceptually sound, but you can like it's structured in a way that someone who doesn't know the material will be able to take the information in at uh, at the best, most efficient way, yeah. right?" Mm-hmm. So just just the way that you you structure your things is really uh, user friendly. I find. Yeah, yeah. And if uh, the other thing too, I mean, speaking from my own personal experience, um, I basically bought everything that Stefan Kesting has ever put on his store. Uh, my first exposure to you was the core formula instruction, which is yeah. gold. Yeah. It, yeah. it is basically like, I think, I think you've mentioned before, like for most instructors out there, it's basically like a learning guide. You yeah. could, you, that you could teach that at your Academy and, and create really good grapplers. Yeah, I, just I, on highly, that. I highly recommend that first of all, because it is quite affordable and is very accessible. You can, yeah. you can get that on pretty much any device you want. I mean, there's DVDs, you can get it online. Yeah. I, I bought it on the app yeah but the thing i really liked about it is like it's a four dvd set and the first dvd doesn't have like a single technique on it and nope. even on the second one there's like barely any techniques and that's something i appreciate because the worst thing for me is i buy a dvd and it's like just 800 variations of some oddball technique uh what i what i really like is hearing how people think about jujitsu so yep. If this conversation, if you listen to this and you thought it was enlightening and you want kind of to expand upon that, that's a really good place to start. Uh, I, that was yeah. a very positive experience for me. So I definitely recommend that app or that instructional as well. And I'll, I'll say this. I, I have quite a few instructionals. I don't get through a lot of instructionals. And that, that BJJ formula instructional, you can easily watch all four parts 
Um, it doesn't take a lot of time. You're very concise and quick with how you explain things. Uh, not, not to shit on like Dan her, but like if he's going to explain Ashigarami, it takes 20 minutes, whereas yeah. you can explain it in three minutes. Right. So yeah. I just feel like I'm not killing a bunch of my time. You know, I only have so much time capital, right? I, mm-hmm. I, I have a, I have a life that I need to, I can only have a small amount of time that I can take in information and the quicker and more efficient that it's presented to me, the better. So yeah. I think just like that, jujitsu. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. And I mean, that's like, you know, again, occasionally people who haven't heard of me and they're like, well, why should I get any of this guy? Like, who the fuck is this guy? He's never won worlds. He's never coached a guy who's won worlds. Like, why should I listen to anything he says? Uh, and uh, the the response, and it's not my response, it's the response that I've seen is like the added value that I provide is just that. It's the fact that it's systematized well, it's organized well, the concepts are presented in a way that's really easy for beginners to adopt mm-hmm. uh and it's concise like that which is weird because i tend to think of myself as a guy who rambles but i've made a pretty conscious effort in my instruction to really reduce the amount of tangents and rambling and all that and try to be concise in how i present information uh and so i've gotten r- incredibly like humbling but favorable comparisons to mm-hmm. guys who I think are the best guys out there mm-hmm. just because of how the information is presented and that's really all I do is I'm I'm a, a like I'm a content aggregator I try to yeah. find the best stuff out there and I have a way of presenting it that I think a lot of people relate to and that like frankly you know if, if you're a, a guy who is winning worlds or, or or trying to coach people to win at the world championship level rightly so your priority is trying to figure out how to coach those people, mm-hmm. not how to present something to white belts or yeah. you know, like the average yeah. hobbyist or whatever. You're not trying to make your presentation in an instructional be the best it possibly can be because that's not how, that's just, it's not the best use of your time. Mm. I have put a tremendous amount of time and energy into trying to figure out how to present this material to people, how to teach others how to teach jujitsu and so i think that like if if there's an added value if there's something that i've put more energy into than those guys have that's it and that might be why people respond to it and and it's it's worth noting that like your instructionals are always like you have little moments of comic relief easy to watch like (laughs) there's there's a lot of taint stuff in there like if you you talk about dicks and stuff like you like john danaher but you're like man i just this guy is great but i just wish he talked about my taint more often like (laughs) that's basically or his yeah or his that's basically wrong Um, but but yeah, like it's it's actually something I know I haven't really noticed any other aside from Rory. Like you and yeah. Rory are basically the only guys on the jiu-jitsu market where you're not just like, okay, guys, this is what we're doing today. Like, and then it's just completely like all business. There's no, you know, you don't. It, it, it's like you're trying to keep it fun for the guys. Yeah. Should we watching explain, it as well. by the way, who this Rory person is? Well, if they uh, like, okay, let's is he get, worth know? Is it well, worth well, knowing who he well, is? Let's, let's, let's is. give Rory a plug because Rory yeah. has an amazing uh, YouTube channel, which is RVVBJJ. Uh, and he's basically teaching the same conceptual stuff that that we all are because mm-hmm. I, he's he's my black belt. Uh, and he actually has an instructional coming out shortly with Stefan on guard retention. It's called the Ooh. guard retention formula. Uh, so yeah, like if uh, if you're interested in the uh, the sort of island top team approach to jujitsu really really like drilled down rabbit hole on guard retention so like if you enjoyed the bjj formula bottom game the guard retention of which a lot of feedback i've gotten has been that like that was the most valuable thing that people got out of it aside for from, sure that, aside from the concepts it's like yeah. if there's mm-hmm. one thing that changes people's games it's the our approach to guard retention for sure and so like that is now an entire instructional where rory did kind of the same thing i did which is 
study the like the state of the art, what's the best material, and then present it through our conceptual lens. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm sure there will be a certain amount of dick jokes in there. Awesome. Um, because like, so one thing, and again, we will probably touch on this in the other uh, thing we do, but teaching is a is a is a presentation. It's a yeah. performance. Yeah. It's a completely people, different skill people set. People don't realize me. that. And, and I'm not even talking about like teaching well in terms of conveying information. I'm talking about like the art of teaching to a camera. It's very different than teaching to a class. Yeah. Yes. And most people who are present, It's way harder. It is it is well, because you haven't done it. Yeah. It's not harder because you've been teaching That's a fair, class yeah. for a long yeah. time, right? Like for myself or Rory because of the amount of filming that we've now done for BJJ Concepts. We just go out there and we can we can teach to yeah. a camera and it's really natural, which means we can show more of our personality, mm-hmm. which you know that may be a good thing or a bad thing depending on <laughs> our personality. But at the very least, we're comfortable enough to like crack jokes yeah. and like and interestingly enough, like the first material that I did with Stefan, Stefan edited out a lot of the jokes because he thought that controversy would be bad. And as we've gone, and look on, at him now. Luckily, <laughs> luckily, you can use those jokes here. Yeah, yeah. Well, but but like the the uh, like the uh, the elapse of time has shown him that like actually there's more there are more people out there that are interested in someone being animated and funny yeah. and being like, themselves than just like being super dry right. and not offending it's people hard to learn like, from a robot right yeah exactly it's like you said people like stories and mm. this the, like when we when we're telling a story and we're adding humor to it it makes it easier to yeah. consume that story so yeah, yeah I, I definitely think that's something that we do really well yeah and, and it should be mentioned that Rory's got a really awesome YouTube channel like some of his yeah. instructional videos um, the way that the videos are done again he uses comic relief and just the content is like like some of the best stuff that you'll see on YouTube was it RVV RVV BJJ yeah yeah YouTube, so yeah. definitely as much as I hate you Rory God you're good at jujitsu <laughs> good at teaching jujitsu so definitely check out that YouTube yeah. channel as and well. we should probably clarify too by the way just in case like anyone from the FTC is listening we are not making any money for these endorsements like we just genuinely believe, believe this stuff I mean yeah. I don't even train under Rob and I think it's good material <laughs> this podcast doesn't make money <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're, we're actually losing money presenting this yeah. information so I don't want to hear any complaints from anyone about oh Oh, which we do get guys. like yeah. you know like from like what did, last week we got a, a letter from a white belt he's like you know what uh this just isn't the way that my instructor does it it's not a good way to learn yeah. this is criticizing <laughs> you guys we're like dude this is free content that we pay money to put out there yeah, yeah it's like you. it's like Stephen, it's like Stefan says if you don't like it i'll give you a refund yeah, yeah. Like, oh that's yeah. the immediate you got it shop. for free but unfortunately fuck people, right off yeah. unfortunately people aren't paying us so we can't offer them a refund yeah if, we, can, if, well, we can that's, tell that's, them to fuck off like you're zero dollars yeah. back, right? Like, yeah. I mean, what do you want to bet that that guy trains under someone who's hot fucking garbage? Yeah. Hey, he's a he's a one stripe white belt, from what I understand. Yeah. So yeah. clearly, he's got a lot. Well, you know what? I hate to say this because everyone's feedback is valuable, but at the same time, that, that's not true. Actually, I, I, this is a like. There's this it's is, still valuable because it has informed me about the kind of like detritus. Stupid, that, yes, the fair human enough. Detritus that is out there. Okay, I still learned yes. something from. Th- this. That's a good way of putting it. But this, uh, that, that's the uh, there's a there's a logical fallacy uh you know i think it's the golden mean fallacy or like the the idea that both sides have equal representation because they have equally valid points that's complete nonsense yeah so yeah anyway got it okay so we should probably tie this up anything else that you want to plug uh no 
Matt, no, we, what? Well, well, I have something I'd like you to play. Oh, yeah. Oh, his ass. Yeah. He wants yeah. me to play. I, I, I was, I was wondering ass. where, <laughs> I was wondering where this was going. Okay, so oh, if if you like this debacle uh, yeah. and you thought, and you know, in addition to what Rob has already presented, if you want more of the BJJ Mental Models stuff, as always, you can find us on BJJMentalModels.com. That's where we've got our database. Uh, we talk in detail about a lot of the concepts that we've discussed here today. We also have our store. We would love it if you would support us. BJJMentalModels.com slash store. And if you want us to spam your inbox, BJJMentalModels.com slash join. Additionally, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Rob, I, I believe Island Top Team yeah. is also... And we also have a yeah. BJJ Concepts uh, Instagram and Facebook now. So if you want to get on there. Yeah. Yeah. Again, just short like clips of gold just like the way uh you know a lot of like jonathan thomas unplugging plugging his stuff rob's stuff is exactly the same uh, on bjjconcepts.net just great great little short clips and information awesome cool well thank you so much rob we really appreciate it it's been a blast awesome all right see you guys take care everybody see you next time